You know, there are some uh, times when the proper exposition of God's Word requires 45 minutes or more. This is not one of those times. <laughs> what we're going to do is uh, we're going to look and see how a, uh, a wicked politician, how God's dealings with a wicked politician became a promise that we cherish each Christmas. And a lot of times we'll read these uh, prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures, in what we call the Old Testament, and uh, we say amen when we think it talks about Jesus, but we never truly understand the prophecy itself, and we never understand the story in its setting. And when, when we do that, we miss out on the richness of ancient truths that actually gave birth to the truths that we hold so dear. And so if, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, and as you turn there to that passage, uh, this is the final message in the series, The Lighthouse, Reflections on the Nature of God. And throughout this series, we've examined now 14 different names of God in the Hebrew Scriptures, and there are many others that we have not ever even touched on. Uh, but these names remain there in your Bible for you to explore, and I would I would remind you that within every one of these names of God, there is a priceless treasure. There is a truth about the nature of God that is also a promise that finds application in your life. And so I invite you to study away these wonderful names of God, and you will be blessed. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1, we read these words. This took place during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Aram's king Rezin and Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem. But they were not able to conquer it. All right, so what's going on here? Well, I'll explain it to you. Here's the deal. Uh, you see behind me this uh, map of the ancient Assyrian Empire. And basically at this time in history, big old Assyria is getting ready to rule all of the land contained in that big bubble. And, uh, and that land will soon include Syria. That land will soon include Israel just to the south of Syria. It will soon include Judah if uh, things don't go uh, according to plan. And so uh, the king of Syria, which, by the way, in Isaiah 7, Syria is called Aram. So Syria and Aram are the same. The king of Syria slash Aram and the king of Israel to the south of Syria, they decide to join forces to try to withhold this onslaught from the in uh, incoming Assyrians. And what they want, they want the king of Judah even further south to join the party and rebelling against Assyria. And the king of Judah is a guy by the name of Ahaz. And Ahaz says to these uh, fellows up north, no, I don't think so. Have fun at the party, boys, without me. And so the kings of Syria slash Aram and, Judah, and Israel, they don't, they don't take too kindly to being rejected. And uh, they decided that they're going to try to invade Judah themselves. And they're going to try to conquer Judah. 
but they couldn't take over Judah's capital city of Jerusalem. So that's what's going on in this uh, chapter, verse 2. When it became known to the house of David, that's the, the king of Judah, it's the house of David, all right? When it became known to the house of David that Aram, which of course is Syria, had occupied Ephraim. What's Ephraim? Ephraim is the hill country of Israel, okay? So they're coming south, and the king of Judah knows it. When it became known to him about all these things, the heart of Ahaz, the king of Judah, and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of the forest shaking in the wind. And so about 250 years or so earlier, God had made a promise to a guy by the name of David, King David of Israel, a united kingdom at that point. And God's promise to David was that your throne will be an eternal throne. But now we've got a war happening against David's throne in the southern kingdom. And this war might just interrupt the Davidic line of rule. What Judah's king Ahaz needed to do was simple. Trust in the Lord. That was it. Trust in the Lord. And so King Ahaz, that was his his calling, if you will, at this point in time. In verse 3, here's what we read. The Lord said to Isaiah, Isaiah is the prophet. The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out with your son, Sheher Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Calm down. And be quiet. You thought those shirts that you see would stay calm and all that? You, you thought that was a new thing? No, it's not a new thing. Okay. He said to him, calm down. He said, Isaiah, tell the king to calm down. Tell the king to be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks, the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram the son of Ram- and the son of Ramaliah. For Aram... That's Syria, remember. For Aram, along with Ephraim and the son of Ramaliah, has plotted harm against you. They say, let's go up against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tobiel's son as king in it. Okay, so you get the picture. The kings of Syria slash Aram and and Israel, they're teaming up. They want to usurp the Davidic rule of Jude over Judah, and they want to install an imposter, a guy by the name of Tobiel, and put him on the throne. Now, who was Tobiel? No one knows. I mean, this guy was truly a nobody. I mean, for all we know, he might have been mentally incapacitated. Could you imagine a leader of a nation being mentally incapacitated? It'd be, it'd be incredible. Everything the Lord said to King Ahaz, basically boiled down to this. Here's the nut. Here's the nutshell of it all. Don't look at this with human eyes. Okay? The invaders are coming. But look at this from my perspective, God says. God sees things that you and I don't see. And so the perspective is very important. By the way, let me just tell you, your perspective makes all the difference in the world. 
And when you see things from God's perspective instead of your own, that's one of the best indications that you have faith in the Lord. Verses 7 and 8. This is what the Lord God says. It will not happen. It will not occur. The chief city of Aram is Damascus. The chief of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The chief city of Ephraim is Samaria. And the chief of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. Pay attention to this final thing the Lord says. He said, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. These are God's words to the king of Judah. If you don't stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Here's the big idea for Ahaz. Believe in the Lord and stand firm. That's it. Believe in Him and stand firm. Here's the problem. Ahaz, even though he was part of the line of King David, even though he was the ruler of Judah, even though he lived in the capital city of Jerusalem, Ahaz was not a believer in the Lord. In fact, Ahaz was a bad guy. He was a really bad guy, a very bad king. Verses 10 through 12, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. I mean, the Lord is really condescending his standards down to Ahaz's level. And, and it's good for us that the Lord does that, isn't it? Okay? Because sometimes we're sort of, we're sort of dumb, and we need, we need to be talked to as we really are, okay? And, and the Lord has to lower the standards just so we can sort of get it, so we can figure it out. And so the Lord is condescending his standards down to Ahaz's level, giving Ahaz one last chance. And the Lord says in verse 10, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol, which is the grave, or it can be as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Now it sounds like Ahaz is being very pious here, that he refuses to test the Lord. But here's the problem. You know, it is wrong for you and I, when God tells us something, to ask Him for a sign, it shows that we don't have faith in Him. I mean, when God says something is true, and we doubt, we don't believe, and we turn around and we say, God, I'm not too sure if your word is really true. Give me a sign. That's not a good thing. Okay, It's not a good thing to doubt the word of God. But this is different. This, this time, the Lord is the one who is inviting Ahaz, the unbeliever, to ask for a sign. And so, I could be misreading the situation here, but it seems like the Lord knows that Ahaz needs some extra help to believe, some extra help to stand firm. And so the Lord says, ask for a sign. Ask for anything, and I'll do it. Anything in the world. It can be as low as the grave. It can be as high as heaven. Ask for anything, and I'll show you what is about to take place will actually take place. I'll show you that I am faithful. 
But Ahaz refuses. Ahaz refuses to believe. He rejects the Lord's offer. And when you reject the Lord's offer, you reject the Lord. No matter how small the Lord makes the hurdle of belief for Ahaz, Ahaz can't clear it because he has no belief in his heart. Ahaz completely rejects the Lord. You see, King Ahaz had within his own responsibility, within his own power, he had the authority and the responsibility to continue the house of David. All he had to do to continue the Davidic line is believe in the Lord. That's it. That's all he had to do. Just believe a little bit. But he couldn't bring himself to do it. And so what is God's response? Well, it appears that God is going to give up on the Davidic line as far as it is run by Ahaz. And God is going to continue the Davidic line another way. God is going to find a different solution to continuing to keep his promise to King David 250 years before. Verses 13 and 14, this is what we read. Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Now remember, Ahaz said, I don't want a sign. I'm not going to ask for a sign. But Isaiah says in verse 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive. Have a son and name him Emmanuel. You see, there is hope. For the Davidic line of Judah. There is hope. For God keeping his promise to King David. 250 years before. But there is no hope for Ahaz. Because he refused to believe in the Lord. Now the story of Ahaz. Continues in Isaiah chapter 7. And I encourage you to study it. But for our purpose today. I'd rather focus on the ultimate fulfillment of the hope of Judah. For the hope of Judah is the hope of David. And the hope of David is the hope for us all. For this prophecy in verse 14 is a prophecy about a man who at that time was yet to be born. A man whose mother would be a virgin at his birth. A man for whom it would be said, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this man is none other than the very Son of God. He is Jesus of Nazareth. You see, there is only one person for whom it can ever truly be said that God is with us. And that person is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. You see, God 
is not a distant God who doesn't care for us. God is not a far-off God who doesn't know what a human being is like or what it means to walk on this earth. That's not the God that we know. That's not the God that we serve. Someone that's, that's far away, that doesn't care about us, that uh, has no concern or no empathy for us. The God that we know has become one of us. God himself is with us. And he will always be with us from beginning to end. The Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty and our Advocate, is with us. The Blessed One and our Beloved is with us. Our Comforter and our Creator and our Cornerstone is with us. Our Defender and Deliverer is with us. The Everlasting and the El Shaddai is with us. Our Father and our Faithful Friend is with us. The Gracious and Glorious God is with us. Our Healer and our Holy One is with us. The I Am is with us. The Just and the Jealous One is with us. The King of Kings is with us. The Lord of Lords is with us. The Merciful One is with us. The Never Failing One is with us. The Omnipotent, Omniscient, and Omnipresent One is with us. The Prince of Peace is with us. The quickener of souls is with us. The righteous one, the redeemer, and our rock is with us. Our savior and our shepherd, the shepherd of our souls is with us. Our teacher and our tower of strength is with us. The unchanging one is with us. The vine is with us. Our warrior is with us. The extravagant one is with us. Yahweh is with us. The zealous one is with us. Listen, no matter from A to Z, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad your day is, no matter what you come up against, your God is with you. He is our Emmanuel, and He always will be. He is worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of our celebration. 